Hello and welcome to the latest episode in Marketing Week's This Much I Learned podcast series. My name is Russell Parsons, Editor-in-Chief of Marketing Week. Now there are many tentacles to the current coronavirus crisis and one is undoubtedly career disruption. Our aim today and in this series generally is to help people cope, recover, restart or even reshape their career. To do this, we are speaking to people in the marketing industry who can impart through experience and learning some insight into coping with the trials and tribulations of the current crisis. Our guest on this episode is Emma Harris. Emma has had a 20 plus year career in marketing and after a 10 year stint as sales and marketing director at Eurostar and notable interim gigs at the likes of Virgin Holidays, she launched brand engagement agency Glow London in 2014 which preaches the importance of a brand's people in driving performance. It is this focus on behaviour change and human performance that has underpinned much of her career. When she is not running GLOW, she is a coach and mentor at the Marketing Academy and a trustee of the Marketing Academy Foundation, which supports the introduction of young talent into the industry who come from disadvantaged backgrounds. She's also recently run a webinar, Smashing Our Way Through COVID-19, for the Marketing Academy, helping people manage, as she describes it, the Corona Coaster, addressing how to access confidence, how to focus on positive thinking and creating outcomes for the year ahead. Hello, Emma. Hello, Russell. So the Corona Coaster, a natty little phrase, <laughs> and one that immediately resonates with me, but what's, uh, what's your definition of, of the Corona Coaster? Well, I have to be honest, Russell, I think I heard it from somewhere else. I think I stole it, but I can't remember. So I've kind of owned it now. It's that sense that some days you wake up doing this madness um, and feel like everything's okay and it's great. I don't have to commute, look, I'm with my family and the sun's out and work's okay and it's all right. And then some days you wake up with this incredible sense of overwhelm and doom and helplessness and just feeling incredibly low. And, and I've talked to lots of people about this and there's, everyone seems to be in that situation that it's hard to predict why you feel so up and then so down. And it's hard to control. That's why it feels like a Corona coaster. Um, and a lot of both friends and colleagues were constantly sharing, checking in, how are we doing today? You know, how are we doing at 10? Um, and it just seems to be incredibly more than ever, very up and down. And that's why we started calling it the Corona coaster. There are many, many highs and there are many, many lows uh, to this entire experience. Um, I mentioned in my introduction, and it's very resonant to uh, this sense of Corona Coast and certainly those lows that people will be facing career disruption at the moment. And as I say, this podcast is there to try and, I suppose, impart some inspiration to cope with that. Um, it's not here to, uh, to help people update their CVs or uh, their LinkedIn profiles, but just to kind of cope with the difficulties. And part of the Corona Coaster is very much uh, people facing anxiety over career and direction. Um, now, I mentioned uh, that you'd recently done a, a webinar and you and I had talked about um, your work and advice around accessing confidence and focusing on positive thinking and, and outcomes moving forward. Now, uh, if you were, uh, with somebody, uh, talking to somebody, uh, if they had lost their job and were feeling despair and anxiety, quite rightly about the future, um, what would you, what would your, what would your opening 
advice be in terms of accessing that confidence, for example? Yeah, I think confidence is a great place to start because when you're in that position, um, having low confidence is one of the hardest things to tackle. And in that that uh, webinar you talked about, we talked a lot about imposter syndrome, that when your confidence does crash, this sort of sense of overwhelm of, of you start to sort of doubt the facts. Imposter syndrome is based on madness that is ignoring the facts of the things that you have achieved. So a great way to access confidence is just to think about those the positives that you have achieved. So actually write those down. You know, look, get some fact-based thinking because often confidence is based on this sense that, oh, yeah, actually I'm I'm rubbish, I'm useless, no one rates me. So unpicking that, facts are hard to ignore. What are the things in your life you have achieved? And really write those down, those moments in your career or even in your personal life, things you've overcome, things you've achieved that give you that sense of, of confidence and pride. And then also act thinking about the people you rate that rate you. And we've all got those people that we think are fabulous, that we know think we're fabulous. And just spending some time thinking about what those people say about you, what words would they use? And then really looking at that list of both achievements and those positive affirmations and, and settling them in. It's called anchoring confidence. Because your thoughts and feelings don't really exist so that noise in your head that's telling you you're useless and rubbish and no one's going to employ you ever is not real. The only thing that actually exists is the moment we are living in, in this second now, 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 now. And to allow those thoughts and feelings to be more powerful than the reality, which is the facts of what you've achieved and what people think about you, that's in your control. And I think the first thing to accessing confidence is to recognise it's a choice. It's a skill and it's something you have to work on. It's not something people are born with. You can choose it. And there are lots of exercises that people can do around just going back to a time when you were feeling very confident. It could be just after a presentation, you just want to pitch, you've just done something great at work, you've had some great feedback, even just a night out where everyone thinks you're brilliant and gorgeous. We've all had those nights when everyone's hanging on for our every word and we think we're hilarious. You know, it could be anything. But to go back to that time and think what you thought and feel what you felt and hear what you heard and see what you saw and really go back to that time, you can create confidence. You can anchor that confidence. And it's all about sort of um, uh, all this stuff is is very NLP driven, Russell, which is neurolinguistic programming. Um, that is that is the sort of study of the unconscious mind, because the unconscious mind is the thing that will drive our feelings. And knowing that your thoughts and feelings are something you can control and all this stuff is a choice is very powerful. And your unconscious mind doesn't understand time. So that's why we can feel that flush of embarrassment when we remember something awful that's happened in the past. Or we can get really nervous about something in the future that hasn't happened already. Your unconscious mind doesn't really get time. And that's a good thing in a way because you can create that access of confidence from a memory and you can build it into your future. It's really interesting what you're saying there um, about, well, A, the unconscious mind, which I suppose can work two ways in the scenario that many people listening and others might be facing in the future. Because um, as you quite rightly say, there are many moments in your life and career that you, if you are forced to, 
uh, could write down confidently and say that was you know a small medium and, and even large success uh, but when you're feeling a bit despairing and uh, obviously down because redundancy or otherwise might be out of your uh, control um it, it i can it is quite difficult to focus on the positive i mean is it literally a case of just writing it down i mean or is uh, and just sort of searching your brain for all those positive outcomes and experiences that you've had in the past yeah it is literally well it, that's one thing that's one way of doing it I and mean, in terms of confidence accessing confidence recognizing it's a choice recognizing that that is that is something you can you can remember you can anchor but the positivity is is based on a number of things so the positivity is is to do with it. it's mental which is that remembering it anchoring it practicing it and emotional which is sort of choosing you know you, you brush your teeth every morning you could choose in the morning just to sort of decide who you want to be today so you know it's it's a really it's habits so today I'm going to smash it today I'm going to be on it I'm going to be effective and productive and feel great because I remember who I am but there's also other bits of positivity so the physical elements managing your energy making sure you're sleeping making sure you know that's I know that's a big challenge for people in in this environment a lot of us aren't aren't sleeping brilliantly but doing everything you can to do meditation or bedtime yoga or or or, or you know mindfulness before you sleep making sure you're keeping hydrated so drinking a cup of water every 20 minutes the difference in your mental state is very dependent on the hydration levels in your body and it's as little as 5% difference in, in your hydration levels can really affect how you feel. Nutrition, you know, eating well, considering what you're putting in your body as, as influencing how you're going to feel about the world and yourself. So, for example, I don't eat. I don't eat refined sugar. I don't eat gluten. I don't eat dairy. That really works for me. It's that eating clean. Don't get me wrong. I'm no purist. As you well know, I drink quite a lot. But, you know, it's, it's all about what works for you. But I totally, I definitely find that that avoiding, I think it's the sugar and the gluten particularly, I wake up with a very clear head. I don't wake up with that foggy head. So just recognising that you and your body it is not in isolation to the way that you feel. And obviously there's exercise. I know if I've done a great workout, everything feels achievable. Things don't feel quite so insurmountable. I just feel optimistic and positive. So looking after all elements of your of your energy and also thinking about your context. So a support, making sure you've got that support, particularly if you're, you know, at home and you've got kids, it's it's completely relentless. And if you think about your energy being finite amount, so imagine you had a cup of energy. So generally the people, if you're if you are working and you've got people that work, you know, clients or people in your team, they're generally going to be taking energy from you. If you're working from home and you've got kids, they're going to be taking even more energy. I found managing my energy during lockdown has been really challenging. So noticing who the people are that actually put energy back in the top of your cup spending a bit of time with them, even just getting a text from them, sending them on WhatsApp, a Zoom, a, you know, a, a Slack, all the millions of different channels we're all constantly communicating via, making sure that you're feeding your energy by surrounding yourself with those positive people and avoiding those, let's face it, the mood hoovers. 
we all know there are people in our lives that just completely drain us and and managing how much time you spend around those people um i find sometimes my kids can be both incredibly draining and incredibly radiating so it's all that stuff you know making sure you're looking after yourself in a really holistic way and and, and then add on to that the positive thinking we can just do, do some talking about outcomes but giving yourself the best opportunity to feel positive in all those ways. Thank you. So uh, you're painting a picture uh, here, and it's um, and it's one that is in people's controls. It's about looking after yourself uh, from a physical perspective, but also ensuring that you focus on the positives, uh, the successes, the things that feed your confidence, and also the people. Interesting, what you were saying there, the people who help feed that confidence. So. Moving on to outcomes, I'm really interested, and we've talked before about this, um, outcomes and setting those for the year ahead. Um, Easy said, um, how do you actually apply and do? Well, the first thing is doing them well. So outcomes should be set in a way that really programs that unconscious mind that we talked about before. So because the unconscious mind doesn't know time, you can actually program it. So a lovely way I like doing is to pick a date in the future, you know, not a month, but an actual day. So it's, you know, June the 30th, 2021. And going to that day and writing outcomes for that day. So I'm on my way to work. I'm going, you know, I'm walking into the office. I can see the light and, and talking all the senses, what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're hearing, the faces on the team, how it feels, the the value you're adding. So you really paint that picture of an ideal day. And you do several different areas. I would recommend always doing work, obviously, and then also doing health, um, relationship, growth, home life. So you sort of do this holistic picture of the day and, and you make it realistic. So again, one of the things you just mentioned about you know, control, there's a real thing around controlling the controllables. There's no point me writing an outcome for next year, I look like Elle McPherson and I'm trained to be an astronaut because with the best will in the world, neither of those things are going to happen. So it's about saying, what's the ideal outcome for me? So setting that day, going through the whole day, you know, seeing it, visualising it, looking around your home, whether it's a new home or the existing home, all the things that drive you mad about your home, those things created change, looking at colours, looking at light, really feeling it. And and without sort of specific, I am working at X company doing Y, but more about how that day feels and looks and seems and write it all down, put smart objectives in there. So for example, when you're talking about your health, oh, you know, I've I've been doing yoga three times a week. I started doing that last December, which would be December 2020. So you're really in the present tense and you're putting stuff that's not happened yet today in in the past so you're really programming your unconscious mind and it's incredibly powerful how much that works and then supporting that with a constant visualization so I'm a big fan of vision boards um I'm quite I'm not the greatest artist in the world so I use powerpoint and I just trawl through google or unsplash or whatever it is and find some images that represent all the things in my life I want to create again realistic things Um, but the best things, and have them as my screensaver on my laptop. So I'm unconsciously seeding and reinforcing a visual representation of what my future is. And the thing is, this stuff works. There's actually science behind this. This isn't magic NLP wizardry. There's a part of your brain 
the reticular activating system. So the RAS and the reticular activating system is um, the sort of laser in your brain. So if you think about your brain is receiving millions of bits of information every second and your, your, your reticular activating system is the bit that kind of you know, decides what you're going to notice. So if I said to you right now, if you focus on your right foot, on the big toe of your right foot, if you just took a second and, and really focused, you can actually feel the blood. Oh, there it is, rushing through your toe. Now, of course, in in when you're doing other stuff, you're not aware of the blood in your toe. Or did you do that, Russell? By the way, did you manage to do that? Not yet. No. Okay. Keep focusing. So, if you actually focus on your foot, you can feel a slight sort of tickle, sort of movement through your foot, and it's just a, it's the blood basically. It's the pulse of blood rushing through your foot. And the point is that if you were constantly being aware of your heart beating and your breathing and every single thing you're seeing your brain will explode so your reticular activating system is the bit of your brain which chooses what it notices and if you can program that to 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 filter out the things you want to have in your life so a perfect example is silly silly story but when I was well very young I remember Princess Diana marrying Prince Charles and she had an Audi A4 convertible and I remember as a sort of you know really little kid deciding when I grew up that was going to be my car because it wasn't a flashy BMW or a Porsche and it wasn't a banger it was just sort of cool and and dignified so as soon as I could afford the debt of buying an Audi A4 convertible I went to Audi now that's not magic that's just sort of programming and we do it all the time I I remember when you know the perfect example is for anyone listening who if you want to get pregnant suddenly you see a million pregnant women everywhere but when you don't really want to get pregnant, you don't see them. If you've just bought a new car, you suddenly see everyone's got the same car. But it isn't actually true. No one's bought the same car. It's just your reticular activated system is that laser. So you can program it. It's like programming a computer. And, and it works. It absolutely works. Just leading on from that, in your career, have you applied this, uh, this thinking? Have you faced a difficult uh, choice or, or a disruption of any kind? Um, can you give me an illustration of when when you've applied this thinking and what the outcomes were? I've got two really good examples. The first one is when I had a very difficult six months in my career and I, I went to work for an organisation which I thought was going to be amazing, but I just got caught, I won't go into it, into in a very toxic culture, which led to you know be, me being walked out, badge, phone, you're out. Which, you know, for, for me, for Emma Harris, who was always top talent, and everyone would clap when I wonder where I'm not literally, you know, that was me. Emma's here, it's going to be sorted. To have my integrity and my capability questioned, um, you know, and it was a year where I'd actually lost my mum and lost a baby. So it was it was my Annie's Horriblest, definitely. And I remember standing on a station platform crying and phoned my amazing coach, who was, taught me a lot of this stuff, um, and saying, you know, it's all rubbish and her just sort of saying come on what do you want what do you want what do you want which is that thing of what's your outcome and I was just saying I want this guy to die horribly alone because I was angry with this person who I felt throw me under a bus and she kept saying the same question what do you want what do you want what do you want and eventually I was able to articulate what my next step would be um and that was July and by October I'd even got down to the sort of granular detail. She pushed me and pushed me to visualise it about this car parking space because the job that I'd had had been a two-hour commute and I had an 18-month-old baby and I wasn't seeing her, that it was, you know, 25 minutes from home with a parking space. 
and and by October it had happened. And again, it wasn't a ridiculous thing. It was a company I'd already I was already in, having conversations with who who were expressing you know, their their appreciation of my views and my work. But it, it it absolutely got nailed. It was an ambitious vision, but it got nailed. And then the second one is actually the, this is the reason when I set up Glow London. Um, so not long after I left Eurostar, when I left Eurostar, I imagine I'd take him off from director or CMO job somewhere else. But I thought I'd take a bit of time out and then realised I was pregnant, which was fairly frustrating as French maternity leave is very generous. Um, and, 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 you know, it was, it was a tough year, sort of not really, you know, I did a bit of consultancy and then had a baby and sort of lost my identity. Um, and then actually it was, that was the, the year my mum passed away. And my coach, I was in a really dark place and we did this exercise where I won't go into too much detail, but I had to do a vision of the future. And the vision I had was of me in a building, which I ended up visualising as the Shard. And I was on stage drinking champagne and toasting some new relationship with another business. And I and she was asking me, can you see some branding anywhere? And I said, I can see a, 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 a board with a word, but I can't read it. It's got two letters, then an O, then another letter. And I can see something orange. And when I sort of came out of that visualisation, I didn't even know what it was. And she said, what was that word? I said, I don't know. I couldn't read it. Why was it orange? I'm never going to have an orange logo. Oh, my God. I'm all about silver and blue. Anyway, not long. I've got the, the moleskin at home where I was sort of scribbling. What was that word? Was it cloud? Was it grow? What was it? And eventually, I remember I was actually walking across the road to go into the IPA building for, for an IPA conference. And I, the word glow just jumped out at me. And I was like, that's perfect. It's London and it's grow combined. It's very me. I'm very glowy. Anyone that knows me will know that. Um, so that's how I got the name Glow. Was it there already or did I create it? I don't know. And then going back to that vision, I forgot all about it. Till about 18 months ago, one of my clients bought me and we started talking about this launch event. Oh, and by the way, when I sent the logo to my designer and said I want it blue, he sent it back orange without ever knowing that vision. He sent back with an orange O, which is my logo today. And then then going fasting forward, when we were talking about this launch event for this new partnership, I suddenly remember that vision. So I said, well, we've got to have it at the Shard. And I phoned the Shard, which is no easy thing because there's no number to phone the Shard. And eventually found someone who said it was 20 grand to do an event in that room. And I said, well, we don't have 20 grand. But I, long story, found a way to do the launch so March 14th last year and I started the event with this story I was in the shard on a stage drinking champagne toasting a new partnership with the glow logo behind me and it all absolutely I even had visualized what I was wearing in that day five years ago and and it all came true so is that the power of the mind or the vision I don't know it's to absolute focus on on belief but I think it's a focus, but it's also uh, the, the power of positive thinking. And it, it's uh, thank you for sharing both of those stories. They're uh, very good illustrations of, uh, of what we've discussed today. Um, in terms of uh, top tips or resources, uh, Emma, if you were leaving people with headlines today, what would be the things that you would uh, advise anybody who was faced with uh, the career disruption that many people will be? I think the first thing is know what you want. So this is a great opportunity if you are in a, in a position of redundancy or, or furlough is to think, OK, what is it I want? And I'm picking that. It, it takes more than just so I want to work at X in this job. 
it's really about the intangible things. So writing down, you know, if there was one thing on a job description or in a job that was the most important thing to you, and it might be culture, it might be what the brand, the brand I believe in, it might be purpose-driven, it might be flexibility, whatever it is, at, you know, without naming a company or a role, it's that that intangible stuff that's the most important. Because you can have the greatest job in the world, but if you, for example, are somebody who needs a lot of space around you, yet you have a micromanager who is all over you, that's going to demotivate you. If you are in a business that's amazing, but the culture is toxic, that's not going to work for you either. So I would write down minimum five, maybe maximum ten Things that are going to be really, really important to you. What is it? Is it size of challenge? Is it change? Is it influencing others? And that will give you, and again, keep reinforcing, keep looking at that list, keep believing, keep knowing. So when opportunities come to you or when you're looking for opportunities, that list is completely in your head. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is do that confidence exercise. Write down the things you've achieved. It's also good for a conversation when you're talking to prospective you know, headhunters or employers, but also those words people say about you. So you can do this some exercise just for an interview or an, a meeting. You can read that or access the, all that confidence. There's a lovely exercise called the archway of excellence. So if you're physically, if we ever do get back out into an office, if you're about to go through a door, you can actually throw all that confidence into the doorway when you walk through it, it sort of shatters through you. Um, and then do that outcome exercise. So pick a date in the future, do your ideal day in the present tense, put some smart stuff in there and then finally do a vision board. So those would be, you know, if you do all that stuff, look after yourself, manage your energy, you know, choose your emotions, mentally prepare. That's the best chance you have of riding that roller coaster. And it's not easy. And even recognising when you're on a down day, even just having that conversation with yourself, I was, oh, I'm having a down day. I wonder what that's about. And I'm picking that and then thinking about the, the, the whether some of looking at those achievements or accessing some of that confidence can, can deal with that because your thoughts and feelings don't exist. So you're choosing somehow to have a down day. That's okay. Choose to have a good day the next day. Thank you very much, Emma Harris. That seems to me to be a perfect and positive moment to conclude today i think the thing that i've taken away uh, from what you've said in particular is uh, that you need to recognize it's a choice uh, to and you have a choice to be positive and i appreciate that if you are uh, facing or have been made redundant or other career disruption it can be difficult and uh, what you were saying there about allowing that to be okay but acknowledging and recognising that you have a choice to be positive, I think will resonate uh, very loudly with people. So thank you very much for that. If um, if you have any follow-up questions uh, for Emma, I assume it's okay for people to contact you via LinkedIn. Is that a way to get into it? Absolutely. Of course. I'm happy to help anyone. You know, I, I, I've spent a lot of time doing this stuff and I know sometimes it needs someone else just to, to help give you that, 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 that objectivity. So, of course, happy to help. Excellent. Thank you for that, Emma, and thank you for your time today. Thank you for listening to this latest edition of Marketing Week's This Much I Learned podcast. You can check out previous episodes via Marketing Week's page on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud, where you can also listen and subscribe to Marketing Week's other podcasts, Marketing Week Explores and Marketing Week Meets. Thank you and goodbye.